Welcome to the Redeemer Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are blessed as you join us in walking through the Word of God together. To learn more about our ministry in St. Albans, Vermont, please visit RedeemerChurchBT.com. Uh, today's verses from the Bible, uh, Romans 12. So we're taking a little break from Colossians. Uh, so it's Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Um, uh, thank you, Justin and Kara and Chris, uh, for for sharing this morning. Uh, it's good to hear uh, from you guys. And some of what, like me and Katie, like went through and moving here is like very similar to to the Elliots. Um, one of like my like favorite songs, I guess, a few years ago, um, had a line in it: "I was born here and raised here, and I'll make my grave here." Uh, the name of it is Tennessee. <laughs> so. Uh, I felt that that was going to be true of me. Uh, I told somebody a few months before we moved here that, yeah, I'm probably never leaving Tennessee. And then then God, like, yeah, don't ever say anything definitively. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you again for, for sharing. Um, and as, no, obviously, as you can tell, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, Pastor Michael uh, is down in Montpelier uh, sharing or preaching uh, with Imago Christi Church, uh, one of our sister churches. Uh, some of you met some of them at the conference a few weeks ago. Uh, I heard Pastor Aaron Clark from there uh, preach. Uh, and then also, um, Ethan obviously is not here. Uh, I'm surprised to see Lacey here right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they had uh, twin boys on Thursday, I think. Uh, so they're, they're excited about that. So you can keep them in, in your prayers uh, for that. And we've got a slide that will be in the announcements at the end if you want to you know, take them a meal and that kind of stuff. So, uh, and get that, that those things set up. But um, then another way uh, that today is going to be different is like, like Chris said, uh, we're taking a little bit of a break from our study in Colossians, and we'll be focusing on this passage right here in the middle of Romans. Um, and as a aside, like while I rejoice uh, when we get to do things a little bit differently, sometimes like this, uh, hear testimonies from brothers and sisters. Um, I I did my share of groaning this week about having to kind of be without Michael and Ethan. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of change. I, I kind of like finding my little comfy little rut and, and sitting right down down in it. Um, but but God can use increased pressure like that, you know, a change of plans um, to really, you know, stretch us and, uh, and test the genuineness of our faith. Um, so I think, thank all of you for, for your help every week here and then for, for you guys. Uh, sharing this morning. Uh, but So I chose this passage in Romans uh, today because I felt like God has been kind of having this topic uh, on my heart since my last sermon in Colossians 3, uh, the idea that we are to be utterly different uh, from the world, but most importantly, the reason that we have to be different. Not out of being legalistic uh, by thinking that we have to earn God's favor, uh, 
not even by living like, like we have a debt to repay to him. Yes, we, we did have a, a debt that we couldn't repay because of our sinfulness, but Jesus paid that debt completely once and, and for all time. And we're not, we're not on some kind of you know, like debt, divine debt repayment plan uh, to Jesus. Um, that debt is paid in full. We owe nothing. On the cross, just before Jesus died, uh, we see in John chapter 19 that Jesus said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And it's so easy for us, you know, if, especially if you've heard that story lots of times, read through it many times, to just kind of gloss over those words, just pass, pass right by it. Just those, those three little words, it is finished. Um, but that quick statement is not, not Jesus simply being eager to be finished with his physical suffering on the cross. When this was originally recorded by John uh, in the Greek language, the word tetelestai was used. Um, and this, this would not have been as you know, quick and easy to just pass by for the early church readers. Uh, they would have better understood what was being referred to. Um, this word was often used on business documents, of all things, when, when a debt was paid off. Um, we all buy things on credit now. Um, and I don't know if you've, you know, kind of early, you know, maybe years ago, you don't see it as often now. You might see, like at the top, when, once you've paid off the thing that you bought, it would have maybe stamped on it something like big and red, paid in full. Uh, that's essentially how this word to telestai was used uh, in Jesus' time. Uh, so it was to, to indicate that an item was completely bought and paid for. No payments are due. It is, it's now yours. Uh, well, in this case, we're, we're totally unable to pay off our debt of sin. Like your house going into foreclosure or your car getting repoed because you can't make the payments, except this is for your soul. Now imagine again that, that you've bought something like a house, but for one reason, one reason or another, you're unable to make the payments. You've scraped together every penny that you can, um, but you just don't have enough to, to make that next payment. And, and you realize one day that you're, you're probably going to, to lose your house. One day you, you're going to be evicted. You're just, you're just waiting on it. But one day instead of the bank showing up uh, to tell you that you've got to get out, Somebody, someone brings this ledger type thing that has not only your last, your next payment paid in full, but your entire home paid in full for you by someone who you have, you barely know, you've never done anything for, and they've just they've done that for you. So how how would you respond to that? Like, does a simple thank you suffice in that situation? A personalized thank you note. No, of course not. You're going to be doing everything that you can for this person. Maybe making them dinner regularly, doing their yard work, almost like an indentured servant kind of thing. Like you're going to be coming in and trying to help them in any way that you can, buying them Christmas gifts every year for the rest of your life. But but why would you do those things? Is it to to pay off a debt that you have to them now? You, you couldn't pay that. You, you couldn't pay that debt to begin with. This is simply out of deep appreciation for what they've done for you. And this is what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans that our worship of God should be like. Our lives presented to God as a living sacrifice. 
But what does it mean to, as Romans 12, 1 says, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Obviously, there is a direct connection and reference to the Old Testament sacrifices. If you spent much time reading the Old Testament, um, then you know that God gave his people very detailed instructions on presenting sacrifices to him. And these sacrificial instructions were given to God's people through Moses and laid out the, the when and how and why they were to be made to him. And these sacrifices typically involved giving up an offering uh, and offering the best that a person had. For example, in Leviticus 22, it says, When anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering from the herd or from the flock, be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Giving up their best to God would mean giving up something that could have provided them food or some other products or could have been sold for maybe a decent amount of money. God didn't ask them to give them give him their scraps or leftovers, like take care of yourself, and then if you happen to have anything left, offer those to me. No, the first fruits, the, the perfect spotless lamb. He wanted their best. And now because we have the New Testament and a greater picture of the gospel, we know that these sacrifices, while they, they did temporarily atone for people's sins, ultimately they pointed to Christ who would be the perfect, spotless lamb as atonement for our sins. His sacrifice would not have to be repeated like those things. And so many of these sacrifices functioned as as sin offering, meaning they would cover and atone for sins that had been committed. But often, sacrifices had other purposes as well than, than simply to atone for their sins. Some were made out of just a simple heart of devotion and worship rather than a response to any kind of like obligation. Now, speaking of having a heart of, of worship, we can look even further back into the Old Testament, um, back to Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. Now, this was before God had given the detailed instructions uh, for sacrifices to Moses. But this first family in Genesis chapter 4 was already making sacrifices of worship to God. And in a, a book by R.C. Sproul, he speculates that Adam and Eve would have, have been raising their sons, regularly explaining to them the promise that God had given them after their sin in the garden, essentially sharing the, the earliest form of the gospel to their sons, teaching them to love and worship God in every part of their lives. And But again, as early as chapter 4, the same chapter that we see Cain and Abel born and we're introduced to them the first time, we, we already see a difference in their hearts. It says that Cain was a worker of the ground, a farmer type guy, while Abel was a keeper of sheep, so he was an animal guy. So it makes sense then that the offerings that they made to God were products of each of their own work. Cain presented the first fruits of his crop and Abel firstborn of his flock. But God rejected Cain's offering. Why? Was it because he offered vegetation, produce, instead of livestock? There's, there's no evidence for this because later God had provided instructions on even providing uh, produce, vegetation, as, as offerings to him. So it wasn't what Cain was offering 
But Cain was not offering to God from a, from a genuine heart of worship. He thought he was self-sufficient, that he could live his life of sin, make his sacrifices, even have the benefits of being the firstborn son, and continue in his lifestyle just the way he wanted. But for Abel, on the other hand, he knew that he was a sinner and in need of the promised Savior. His offering to God was, was righteous and pure and from a heart of worship. And King David later seemed to understand this uh, when he wrote Psalms 51, uh, verses 16 and 17, says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So what does this mean for us today? How are Old Testament sacrifices different from how, our, how we are instructed here in Romans to be living sacrifices for our spiritual worship? And how should our worship be similar to the Old Testament forms of sacrifice? Thankfully, because of Christ, we no longer have to kill animals and burn them on the altar up here. Um, that, would, that would get messy. So praise God we don't have to do that anymore. Um, and praise Him even more for the fact that we, we don't have to, to live any sort of way to attain our salvation. But, that's a big but, um, <laughs> sorry about that, uh, but you, look at, you guys need to look at verse 2. <laughs> Re- renew your minds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we can't keep on living our old sinful lives just because the debt of our old lives is already paid. Paul answered this question a few chapters back in Romans chapter 6. The, the idea was we can't out God's grace, so why not keep on sinning so that God is even more graceful? But Paul responded with a resounding, by no means. How can he who died to sin still live in it? It's our responsibility if we are truly justified by the grace of God through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross to worship him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Does it say anywhere in here to, to go to church on Sunday, make your spiritual sacrifice of singing songs, maybe give some of your money to the church, and in general be a, a nice person so that God will have to let you into heaven? Because you did all those things. You made your sacrifices. No, it doesn't say that anywhere. No, as we read in Colossians last week, we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we are following the example of Cain and giving empty praise to God in his name, but for our own sake, instead of for his glory, not out of true worship, but out of self-righteousness, And he may very well hate that empty singing, that empty giving, those empty good deeds. As John Piper says, worship is real, authentic experience in the heart with God, or it is nothing. We can't expect to become a follower of Christ, to have the blood of the Son cover us, and have his righteousness imputed upon us, and have no change at all on our deepest level. This should start an ongoing process of change to our hearts, 
verse 2 starts with, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. One of the commentaries that I read had a different translation. I couldn't find actually what the translation was. Um, but it, it seemed to kind of unpack the words conformed and transformed even further, which was helpful to me. It said, Stop allowing yourselves to be fashioned after the pattern of this evil age, but continue to let yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that makes this picture a little clearer that this is a continuous, ongoing process of change, not something that just happens once and we're good to go. We're sinless from now on. And how are we to make this change happen? We see in Scripture clearly that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. But that doesn't completely get the ball out of our court. It says here, by the renewal of your mind. Again, we can reflect back to Colossians where we were told to set our minds on things above. We could take a cue from from the Puritans on this. Uh, If you know much about them, Michael was recently telling me about a docuseries that he was watching on, on the Puritans. And these guys were known for constantly saturating themselves and their minds in Scripture. And apparently there was a quote in the series that mentioned John Bunyan, who was the author of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. It said that if you were to prick this guy, like with a needle, he would bleed bibline, which I'd never heard that word. But in, in other words, he bleeds, he bleeds Scripture. Everything about him leaked God's Word because he constantly set his mind to be renewed by it. And if we were to emulate guys like this and in turn emulate Christ, We should saturate our minds in Scripture. And it doesn't mean that we just sit around and read the Bible 24-7. It would be great if we could actually do that. Um, But we have jobs to go to, unfortunately. Um, But when we read and we pray over it and meditate on it, allowing it to take root in us, if our minds are conformed to Scripture, then it will affect our thoughts throughout the day. We should be continuously moving toward living to glorify God in every little mundane thing that we do. We can worship God through little chores at home, through work. Worship is not just being here and singing songs. We can glorify Him in every word and deed. If we really allow our minds to be renewed by Scripture, it says that we will be able to discern the will of God. And, and this part of the verse should really have its own sermon all to itself. As I was kind of riding through this, I realized that most of it has been about verse 1 um, and really should be a whole separate sermon about verse 2. Um, and I'm sure that, that this is something that we've all prayed at some point. God, help me to know which job to take, if I should marry or who I should marry, how many kids to have or if I should move to wherever, Vermont, um, how do we know these things? The, the answers to our specific life circumstances can't be found in the words of the Bible. But it says that we can discern what is the will of God. So if we are continuously trying to shape our minds to the wisdom that we find in this book, our decisions will then follow. Our minds are daily being molded by something, whether we intend it to or not either by the Holy Spirit and God's Word, or by the world. 
if we saturate ourselves in, in the patterns or the ways of thinking of, of this world, then the foolishness of this world will come in how we live and, and how we make decisions. It may seem wise from the, from the world's standpoint how we make decisions in, in their way of thinking, but biblically, it, it, it may not be wise. I, I know I have made big decisions about my life without praying and, and seeking biblical wisdom, and, and it didn't turn out well. But if instead we saturate ourselves with Scripture and surround ourselves with people whose minds are renewed to that of Scripture, we will be able to discern God's will. It still won't always be easy. You won't know 100%, yep, that's what I'm supposed to do. It will still be confusing sometimes. Um, but if you're following the wisdom of Scripture, things, things will hopefully work out better for you. And I don't mean in a, in a worldly sense, like wealth, um, as I've said already. But uh, instead of making selfish decisions, we will seek to present our bodies as living sacrifices for God's glory in whatever that we do. So as I begin to close, um, I just want to ask a few questions uh, for you to be meditating on. And I'll, I'll give us some time in just a moment to, to pray um, instead of going straight into to singing. Um, so I think I've got a slide up there for the, for the questions um, that you can be kind of just praying through. And so one of those is, how will you let these verses renew your mind? How will you let Scripture renew your mind? And how can you better present your life as a living sacrifice? So we'll have these up on the screen. Um, we'll just take a few minutes and uh, I'll start playing some music, but let's just, like, just take a few minutes to pray over those things. How are you doing now with trying to renew your mind with Scripture and live your life as a living sacrifice for God? And ask God to point out how you could do that better. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll go into that time of prayer. God, we thank you for, for your word that we have here in, in the Bible uh, that we can renew our minds with. Lord, I pray that you help us to do that and to not allow our minds to be conformed to the wisdom of this world, which is, is not wisdom, it's foolishness. Help us to know how that we can present our lives better as a sacrifice to you. Lord, we owe everything and nothing to you for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, renew the joy of our salvation. Help us not to be able to just pass over, yes, he died on the cross, it's, it's Palm Sunday, we're going into Easter and Good Friday. It's not just another holiday. Lord, it, it means everything to us. Lord, renew our joy in that. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.